Hello? <laughs> Turning it on. Okay, that helps. Um, so I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And the four-year-old was sitting in my lap this week. Her name is Annabelle, and I was reading her a book, um, a book about God, a book, I think, about the Psalms. We have a lot of kids' books about God at my house. If you need recommendations on which ones are good and which ones are creepy, I always have some. Um, and I was reading her the book, and uh, I did something that I do a lot when I'm reading to her, whether it's spiritual books or your average, you know, story of pandas who are going on an adventure, um, which is I changed a couple of pronouns so that they reflected the, the world. Um, and I was reading the, 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 the lines there, and I said, um, God loved the people, and then she, and she stopped me, and she said, who she? <laughs> and I said, God. And she said, but God is a he, right? <laughs> um, which goes to show, right, you can go to this church, you can have me as a mom, and still the world works on you, and you need to have this conversation explicitly all the time. And I said, um, well, actually, God is a he and a they and a she. And she said, what? <laughs> and I said, yeah, and do you know how I know? And she said, how? And I said, I know that God is a she because God made me, and I am a she. And I know that God is a she because God made you, and you are a she. And she said, what about Asa? That's her little brother. And I said, yeah, we know that God is a he because God made Asa. And we know that God is a they because of we named a friend of ours. And we know that God is old and wise because God made grandpa. And God made Theo, so we know that God is a silly little baby. <laughs> and we just started naming all of the people in our lives and what we knew about God because they exist. And she got really, really excited. And I said, yeah, did you know that there is a part of the Bible where God says, I am like a mother nursing you. I am like a mommy chicken who takes care of her baby chickens. I paraphrased slightly. <laughs> um, I am like someone who takes care of the baby. And she said, then is God also like a daddy because that's who feeds you bottles? And I said, that is exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. You've got it. But it takes a while to get it, <laughs> to get um, the fullness, the expansiveness, the explosive, uncontainable wonder of all of who God is, of all of who God has been to us, of all of who God has created, and of all of what God is inviting us to see in who God can be to us. And on this day, because it is Mother's Day, I think many of you are probably um, celebrating or mourning or something on this day because it is Mother's Day, I want to talk about the part of God that is like a mother because it's a part that we've lost over time. Um, it's right there in the scriptures. It's right there in the way that God treats us. And yet recently, um, I think culturally, we only have the image of God as father and of God as a kind of father um, who is particular and distant and stern and has high expectations for us. Um, and that is a part of God. That is a beautiful part of God. That is a part of God that I embrace and that I want. And there's a lot more of God to go around. <laughs> this month, we're in a sermon series called We Are Family. 
And so we've been talking about all of the things that family is and can be in our lives as we live them, and all of the ways that family can be made and changed and lived in the God who loves us through all things and with all things. And so I want to talk about the way that God loves us as each member of our family, not just one. Um, there's a reason that we've resisted over time in the church. I think sometimes this like language of we are family, um, and it's because often it can be used uh, more as a stick than as a joy, right? Um, somebody wants you to do something at church that you're not quite sure about or that you, you aren't quite sure you can manage, and they say, we are family, as a way of making you do it. Um, or you uh, are uncomfortable, but people say, well, we're family, so you have to, you have to let this go. There's, there's a history that I get that people are avoiding when they don't want to think of the church, or they don't want to think of God as a family, but as something different and separate. And yet, and yet, it's hard to get away from. <laughs> We're so formed by whoever family has been to us, by whatever families we've made in the world. How can we possibly think about who God is to us, who God is to our heart and soul, separate from the families that have made us and from the families that we've made? This is a big part of this book that we're reading from today, Hosea. Um, Hosea is all family metaphors for God. Some really beautiful and enriching, and some a little more disturbing. <laughs> Hosea starts off um, by talking about the relationship between God and the people of Israel as the relationship between him and his wife who cheats on him all the time. Um, it is one of the lesser read books of the Bible because as he's talking about this cheating wife, Hosea says a lot of things that aren't particularly nice about women in general or what marriage should look like or how people should be. Um, but the passion there, the intimacy there, the way that he sees in his life how God relates to him, the way that he sees in his everyday relationships how close God is to him, that I think is something that we could all do with a little more embracing of. Um, seeing the connection between God who is not over there, not somewhere far away, not somewhere high above, but who's in it with us in whatever we are living, whatever we're living with in our families and our neighborhoods and our lives. God, Emmanuel, with us, who is in it, whatever the it looks like. So Hosea starts with all of these kind of marriage metaphors. God is like a partner. God is like a spouse. God is like someone who we figure it out with over time, even as we mess up. God is like a spouse who um, we have made a contract, a covenant with. God is someone who we have made promises to, and God has made promises back to us. That's where Hosea begins, trying to figure out, how am I going to love God? How am I going to be with God? How am I going to serve God? If I think of God as someone with whom I am in partnership, creating, raising, making children, making something in the world, and then trying to do it well, what does it mean to think of God as our co-creator, as our conspirator, as our collaborator, as someone who loves us and who we love and who we're trying to do something with? But that metaphor falls apart a little bit because um, Hosea thinks of his people as people who keep on breaking those very promises that they've made to their partner, right? Um, breaking the promises of faithfulness, breaking the promises of fidelity and love and mercy and grace. And so he turns towards anger and rage. Um, there is a divorce and there is a betrayal and there is all of this stuff. 
Um, but then we come to the end, to this Hosea 11, and he all of a sudden switches, switches metaphors to this parenting metaphor, and we get these beautiful couple of phrases where instead of talking to the, instead of Hosea imagining that God thinks of the people of Israel as this awful group that has done nothing but fail him, he imagines God saying to us, saying to the people, the people then and the people now, I saw you learn to walk. <laughs> I saw you learn to speak. You are my child. The bonds of kindness are what connect us, and I love you. Can we bring up that slide of the Hosea? I want to just go over it again, that, that, that there's a new way of thinking about who God is to us as someone who is intimately involved and intimately loving of everything they see us do. I was to them, so this is, Ephraim was a person a long time ago, but at the time of writing of Hosea, Ephraim is a people, it's a group. Um, so you can think of it as standing in for basically all of us, any community. <laughs> um, it was I who taught this whole people, this whole community to walk. I took them in my arms, but they didn't know that it was me who healed them. How many of us remember the moments in our lives when we were children, um, of whoever it was who picked us up, who healed us, who cared for us. It made all the difference in the world, but many of us don't remember those moments of being taken care of. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. That's how it says it in Ecclesiastes too, that the bonds we have with God and the bonds we have with family we make, whether it's partner or sibling or parent or child, are like... Um, ropes of love that tie us together, knots of kindness and mutuality. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. This is not a God who's far away, um, judging our actions, keeping score, writing it all down in a book. This is God who comes down to us, who comes to where we are and says, you are mine, let me love you. You are mine, let me feed you. And this sense of nurture, this sense of close care as part of what God does for us and part of what we're invited to do as Christians is something that I think we've lost and that we don't talk about enough. I've been reading this beautiful book this week that I would commend to all of you if you're looking for a fun little uh, uh, thing to read by Debbie Blue called Consider the Birds. And it's all about the birds of the Bible. It's just a bunch of essays on different birds that are in the Bible and what the deal is with that bird and what the deal is with how they, they, they uh, enter into the Bible. And the most like mind-blowing one for me, they're all great. Um, the doves or pigeons was one takeaway for me as someone who doesn't know a lot about animal life, that every time in the Bible it imagines this like beautiful dove coming down as the Holy Spirit, she was like, y'all, doves or pigeons. Like you have to imagine it as the pigeon, the pigeon you see on the street, the pigeon you see on the sidewalk. This is who God is saying, see yourself in this normal everyday creature. So that was a learning for me. But the, the most mind-blowing essay was the one on vultures the one on vultures, because, uh, you know, if your experience with nature, like mine, is largely uh, Disney movies, right, and you think of vultures as, like, from the Jungle Book or the Lion King as, like, the creepy older things that eat dead stuff, um, you don't think of vultures as having a big place in the Bible, or if you do, it's, like, one verse or two here that's really scary, um, but, but she says... Vultures, um, they do have this role sometimes in some cultures of being scary, 
right? Forces of fear. But in ancient times, both in ancient Israel and especially in ancient Egypt, um, vultures were often thought of as mother gods, mother god vulture. That the vulture was a, a caring and a nurturing presence, largely because it had such a big wingspan. <laughs> it had such a big wingspan that people would imagine that the vulture could protect many other birds at once. That the vulture could carry many baby birds at once. And the vulture became um, a, a sign and a presence of mothering, nurturing, divine force and power. And Debbie says, the word nasher um, in Hebrew that is in this famous verse of Isaiah, right? Um, I will uh, soar on wings like eagles. I will run. I will not grow weary. Uh, she says, that's not an eagle. <laughs> that's a vulture. <laughs> Um, that's a vulture. We will soar on the wings of a vulture. We will be protected by the wings of a vulture. But the first English translators read it and simply couldn't believe that anyone could be writing positively about a creature they found so alienating. And so they changed it. They were like, that must mean eagles. Eagles seem more powerful and more appropriate for this verse. That has got to be what they're talking about. And so we lose, then, um, not just the vulture in that phrase, poor, maligned vultures who nobody loves. We lose the mothering. That maybe this verse isn't a verse about power. We will soar up like eagles who then come down and get the fish and show off our powerful nature. But that it's about nurture. We will soar on the wings of our mother vulture who protects us and takes care of us in her big feathers. <laughs> and that's what God is saying God is like. Right? Um, that God is like one who cares, who sees, who comes to where you are in what you are going through. And in this way, this day can be complicated. Some of us have really beautiful relationships with our mothers that have been life-changing that we want to celebrate today. Our mothers have been to us um, that kind of nurture that God is. Others of us, that's not the case. We either didn't grow up with a mom, we were raised by somebody else, um, an uncle, a grandpa, an auntie, a dad, two dads, somebody, or um, what we received from our mother was not that kind of love, not that kind of soaring, not that kind of intimacy, not that kind of feeding and meeting where we were. And that's one of the reasons I think it's so important to remember all of the times that God has talked about God's self with all of these different kinds of love is because if we didn't get it from the world, we do get it from God. <laughs> if we didn't get it from our earthly mother, we do get it from God. If we haven't received from our siblings or our community or our cousins or our aunts or our uncles or our whoever's, the kind of love that family um, should show us, ideally would show us. God is right there saying, I have all the kinds. I have all the kinds of love for you. Love that pushes and love that holds. Love that protects and love that goes out bravely. Love that feeds you. Love that teaches you. Love that sees you. I have all the kinds, all the kinds of love you can find in me. And so we are invited to see all of what we might have missed in God and to know that God holds us 
in whatever morning or challenge we face today, as well as whatever joys and hopes we have today. Family is a lot. Nurturing is a lot. Other human beings, frankly, are a lot to handle. It is hard to be alive, and it is hard to be alive with other people. And yet God says to us, I'm in all of it. There is no part of this life where you are separate from me. There is no part of this life where you are separate from my love. And there is no kind of love you seek that you cannot find in who I am. A sweet and a nurturing love and a bold and a big love are all yours to have in me. And thank God for that. So I hope that we can thank together mothers, vultures, <laughs> God in all of who God is, and find ways to celebrate in God and in one another the kinds of intimacy, nurturing, vulnerability, and gentleness that God has always declared God holds. Amen. <laughs>